Welcome to the Interop Now podcast, where it's all about health data interoperability and the technology solutions that will transform your business. We bring you the information you need to find the right solutions to exceed federal requirements, improve patient satisfaction, and increase your bottom line. We will talk to leading industry experts about using APIs to unleash, repurpose, and scale healthcare data. And now your host, interoperability maven, Sandy Vance. Diameter Health was founded by John Demore, a Harvard graduate who has spent his entire career researching and implementing interoperability best practices that advance quality measurement and population health. Today on the show, we're going to talk with John and Danny Sands, Diameter's chief medical officer, who is a practicing physician who's worked in clinical informatics for more than 25 years. Thank you so much to both of you for sharing your time with me and all those listening today. Uh, Sandy, great to be here and love to be with the audience. Good to be here. Let's start with the story of Diameter Health. John, you founded this company with the mission to improve the use of data for both clinical and financial use in the healthcare ecosystem. What drove you to do that? The story of Diameter Health really builds upon the entire career that I've had in healthcare, which has always been about a healthcare data. I consider myself to be a a data geek. And I was working at a big health system and then working in an electronic health record company and seeing the inability to bring data together from different systems, you know, different healthcare providers, different hospitals, or even ambulatory offices. And being able to bring that data together and synthesize it to create an aggregated asset that was valuable uh, from the perspective of the patient, but also valuable from being able to do quality measurement, population health, analytics, predictions, all those things that we wanted to do wasn't possible. And why it wasn't possible is because we had to hire all these data analysts, and now we call them informatics professionals, uh, to start normalizing the data. Oh, you referred to aspirin over here this way, but this other um, uh, system referred to aspirin this other way. You call it Tylenol, we call it acetaminophen. You call it uh, Torvastatin, we call it Lipitor. And the, the inability to have data assets that were actionable and queryable in a single fashion was really the, the founding story of Diameter Health better data could result in much better care. And that was really the the core founding uh, thoughts around Diameter Health, which gets started as a post-meaningful use company. You know, a lot of this doesn't make sense before you have electronic health records, before you have a digital asset. You know, if it's on a piece of paper, it's very hard to think about being able to do normalization and to do upcycling of that information. Um, But once you have that digital asset that you can work with, you can actually begin to say, how do we position this so that we can put together a picture of a patient, their story and their longitudinal record, and then make that available so that you can query it analyze it and be able to do those things that we want to do for artificial intelligence, machine learning on this data. And that's really the core of Diameter Health was being able to take the data flows that come as a byproduct of care out of thousands, really tens of thousands of different places where that care is provided and be able to synthesize it, aggregate it, normalize it, upcycle all of that information. Um, So we started about 10 years ago, about 2013, uh, and we started working with health information exchanges, which were getting a lot of this information, but they were really just shipping it from point A to point B. 
And then we began to help them to be able to synthesize this information and use it in a more meaningful fashion, uh, thinking about that upcycled data, which we'll talk about as we go through today. And then we began expanding because once the data flows started happening as part of that meaningful use program, we began to see just the, the growth of this exchange of information. It started to go to places that we never really anticipated. Health plans are now receiving so much of this information. We have come a long way since the initial meaningful use program uh, while getting the data from point A to point B really felt like a big deal a decade ago. But today, interoperability is about making that data available and usable in an infinite number of places, whether it be at the point of care or at an insurance company or in the home of consumers. How has the evolution of meaningful use impacted your mission at Diameter Health to achieve interoperability. Since I started the company beforehand, you know, you would get a bunch of informatics professionals in a room or interoperability people in a room, and they'd argue about what was the right way to go. You know, what was the right way to code this information, to structure it appropriately. And what we've seen over the past decade is that um, we've had some help from the federal government to pick the winners um, for this. Now, they've done some good work working with interoperability standards advisory groups so that we know now in the United States, um, whenever we're sending a lab result, we should be able to encode that information in terms of the response. Now, it's not just lab results, really the 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 architecture for meaningful use and what is now the U.S. core data for interoperability has set those standards so that we know what we're aiming towards now. And now we're in the process of being able to achieve that, um, which is moving towards semantic interoperability. Semantic interoperability is the ability of health IT systems to exchange and interpret information, then actively use that information that has been exchanged. Semantic interoperability is the highest level of interoperability and what we strive for that we can lay, so that we can layer in artificial intelligence that can drastically improve patient outcomes, automate workflows, save money, and achieve health equity goals. Dr. Danny Sands joined Diameter Health as the chief medical officer last year and, like many of us, has been in this game long enough to remember the excitement of finally having an electronic medical record. And then the excruciating pain that immediately follows when you realize you aren't connected to the information that you really need to do your job and deliver patient care. Welcome to the podcast, Danny. Tell us how you came to be involved with the mission for healthcare interoperability at Diameter Health. My, my background is that uh, I was interested in technology before I went into medicine. And then I uh, was so frustrated when I went into medicine that we were taking advantage of information technology to empower clinicians, improve the care that we were delivering. It made me so angry and frustrated. And I, I realized that there were other people who were also trying to make the world different. So alongside with practicing medicine, uh, I, after I trained, I trained in clinical informatics. And my training was very hands-on operational informatics. One of the first things I was enmeshed in was developing our EHR. There weren't a lot of other places using EHRs at that time. There weren't places to connect to. And actually standards weren't that important initially because we didn't have anybody to connect with. But uh, we developed a pretty robust EHR. But then the problem was, and I would see this in my own practice, I say, wait a minute, so I'm taking care of a patient right here, right here, and I know that they got some of their care across the street, and yet I can't see the information from them. If I want to get that information, it's actually going to have to be brought over to me or faxed over to me. 
And, and I realized that, you know, geez, we really need interoperability here. You know, we had the production of information, but we needed to move it from place to place more effectively. And, and then once that started happening, then we realized, whoa, this data is just a mess. And, uh, and, 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 you know, the data is, comes in all different forms and it needs to be uh, uh, actionable. It needs to be made usable. I need a dashboard of information to really um, uh, enable me to take better care of, of, of this patient. And, uh, and, and could I get that information? Yes. So this is, this is the stage one of interoperability. I could go to, I could flip screens, basically. I click a button and I could see their information. I could see their lab information and so on, but I, I can't see it in the context of her overall care. I became very interested in the fact that information technology could be equally empowering to patients and caregivers. Mm -hmm. But get this, Absolutely. they were having the same problems I was, Sandy, because if they logged into the patient portal to look at their medical records, well, when they wanted to see their records from somewhere else, they had to log into another portal with an entirely different user interface. Again, no integration of data. So all of this has been frustrating me for a terribly long time. And when I was approached by Diameter Health, they said, we've solved this problem. We got, we got the solution. I said, I, I am all in because I really want to make this uh, a success. Absolutely. And, and to just double click into that example, just more say, well, what does Diameter Health do? You know, we're not the transaction for moving the information. What we are is when that information lands in Danny's health record, um, that information might not be in a way that it can be consumed in that diabetes dashboard appropriately. You, know, you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, HbA1cs, which is the co most common way that you track glucose control in diabetics, has a loin code. Um, I know it, 4548-4. I know it off the top of my head for it. Um, it's only used about 50 to 60% of the time. That means if you look at all the HbA1cs, and we're talking about tens of millions done annually in the United States, you'll be missing 40%, maybe 50% of your data if you don't be, have ways to be able to normalize that information and to get it to that right loin code. So you say, well, well, how is it coded? Well, you see things like HGBA1C or HBA1C percentage or hemoglobin glycosylated A1C. You see all these different nomenclatures and terms for it. There was actually a Jamia paper that just came out at the end of last year, 2021, that talked about um, this idea that even though you could have the same EHR at three places, you might not have semantic interoperability between them because the way that they're recording this information is slightly different. Well, this is terminology where matters. Yeah, right? terminology <laughs> yeah, matters. Yes. Structures matter. Coding matters. And this is what Diameter Health solves, which is we have collected data through our HIEs and through all the different clients that we've worked with over the past decade. We know almost all the permutations that HBA1C could possibly come in from. And what we do is we're able to get you to that uh, loin code. Is it 100% of the time? Maybe not, but if it's 98 or 99% of the time, that's gonna be a substantial uplift to missing 40 or 50% of your data. It's gonna allow the vast majority of Danny's time to be saying, hey, this dashboard worked automatically. I'm ready to actually provide proper diabetes care for this patient, informed di diabetes care, rather than having to hunt and, and peck and click and try to transcribe information. You know, Danny is not a data enterer. Danny is a great PCP, and we want to make Danny um, more efficient with his time and obviously all the physicians that we work with um, across the spectrum. The healthcare system's primary care providers in particular are so overburdened right now, especially since COVID. But 
they always have been really what we thought we were providing with electronic health records has fallen short. Uh, but this concept of upcycling the data in a way that streamlines workflows and improves clinical quality is a huge leap forward. So everyone seems to be using the term data enrichments right now. You guys prefer the term upcycling, and I, I think that fits really well. Can you talk a little bit about what upcycling your data means from a user perspective and how that changes things for diameter customers? It's not just that HBUNC and getting it to a normalized uh, terminology like LOINC. It's also about providing all that other data around this. You know, what is the reference range for that lab result for it? If you have a drug, um, uh, how do you know that this drug is an opioid um, uh, for, for this as a controlled substance? It's about placing all that data around that piece, poor piece of information that was recorded as a byproduct of care so that you can do all the things that you want to do. Hey, find me everyone who's come into the ER and actually get been prescribed an opioid in the past six months. That type of query, if you just ask that basic thing of, of a health system or a certain region, it could take analysts weeks to start just looking at all the different ways. Oh, it was Percocet over here, hydrocodone, oxycodone. Well, we make that available. I actually worked with someone who had to do that analysis and it was 30 minutes on the phone together. We structured the SQL queries and we were able, able to go ahead and run that. And they could pull up thousands of patients immediately and be able to look at the different patterns in different EA, ER, um, um, ERs in a particular geographical region. That's what upcycling means. It means taking that data that's provided as a byproduct of care, getting it to a point which is queryable, which is actionable, which is useful, and, and that it's in the right place that you can actually use it. So, you know, being able to have this data in big XML documents or big um, fire repositories, um, we certainly do that. Um, but we also make that data available in other ways because we know that people use a variety of tools for um, business intelligence or for clinical analysis. And we're really going to work across that ecosystem with our clients to get that data in the right spot at the right time. And so you can use that data efficiently. What difference does this make clinically, Danny, both for individual providers and provider organizations, even, you know, ACOs? I talked about the clinical example, you know, how am I going to take care of this patient? But it goes beyond that because increasingly I'm responsible for the care of an entire population, you know, all the patients in my panel. Uh, if I'm running population health at my practice level, I'm in charge of all the patients we take care of, right? So I need to be able to monitor all of those patients' quality. So it's not just the care of the individual patient, but it's the care of patients uh, in a population. And if you're a health plan, it's monitoring the care of your members. You know, what is the quality of care that is being delivered to my members? So again, I got to deal with data from all these different sources. It's heterogeneous. So we're able to do this, uh, th this upcycling of the data. And, and you know, I was, uh, I, I love clever acronyms and, uh, and uh, Diameter Health has this wonderful acronym for a big part of the process they do, which is called NERDS, uh, which is uh, normalize, enrich, reorganize, deduplicate, and summarize the data. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so when we say normalize data, enrich data, it really doesn't do it justice. If I want to look at a longitudinal view of my patient with all the data across that longitude, uh, that uh, time axis, I can't do it. 
because EHRs are largely built on the same paradigm as paper records. There's a section for labs and there's a section for pathology and there's a section for notes, problems, medications, et cetera. So if I wanna really know what's going on with the patient over time, I still need to do some of this work even within an individual patient's record. This is just amplified when we move into larger populations, my panel of patients, entire practice, entire health system, Going through an EMR implementation is a massive disruption to the way clinicians provide care. When you go through this process from paper to electronic, at least when I was leading projects many moons ago, we would walk department heads and physicians and super users through the process of like reevaluating their workflow. I must have said a million times, don't just make your old process electronic. Think about what you need and design it that way. But the database models we used at the time did not have the capabilities to pull all that data into every place it was needed. And it was so hard to imagine an automated dashboard workflow when the world was so used to paper. In many cases, we were limited by how the EHR modules were set up to pull it in by source. Sometimes the database was the limiting factor. I, I just think it's so cool to finally be at a place where a company like Diameter Health can come in and organize that data and do a lot of the synthesizing for the end user, whether that end user is a patient or a provider or a payer. It's a whole new world, really. More data and more ways to use all of it. When we founded the company, when we got going, we didn't need to collect data from a couple places, from a couple different EHRs. We need to collect data from the entire spectrum. Um, so when I talk about, you know, oh, how do you know, how have you automated this process? I have to have analysts that map this. Well, here's how I know. I've got data not from 10 EHRs that do use, or 10 different EPIC instances. I have thousands of different EPIC instances that have provided data on millions of patients. And that's how we've actually been able to make this functional. But to your point, you know, Sandy, you know, how do we actually begin synthesizing and doing things differently? The electronic health record for the past, you know, even you know, predating it to the paper record, essentially it was source oriented, um, you know, it was source organized. So you have the labs over here. Um, there's a great lecture that was given by Dr. Larry Weed that talks about the fact that you might actually have your, your analysis right next to a whole bunch of things about, um, you know, ear and ear infections and ear pathology. And does that mean that they're peeing out of the ear? No, of course not. Um, the reason why those things are next to it is because they went to the same department in terms of some of those analysis um, for that. Well, what we can begin to do is start to change the game in terms of how do we organize this data differently. I'll give one thing that we do that I think is very powerful and it's very different than how an EHR thinks about this. When an EHR might put out you know, medication information, they're gonna give you all the medication orders um, um, and they might give it to you in, in the way that they came for it. You ordered Keflex at this time, you ordered Cephalexin um, this other time. You know, it, it, you might have, you know, days or months or years in between those two different things, but it hasn't reconciled to realize, wait, th those are the same active ingredient here. One's just a brand name and one, one's, the, one's the generic for it. When we put together a medication list, we'll go ahead and bring all the same thing, all the, all the medications with the same active ingredient together and provide a reverse chronological list of here's all the activity, here's all the different SIGs, here's how they different got it, and here's all the different times that they have that information. So it's again about changing something which is source-oriented. You know, we have medication orders and and you know, kind of spread over time, turning into something that's actually usable for a clinician. That's just one of a lot of different things that Diameter Health does to be able to again upcycle this information, make it usable. But we don't just serve the clinicians. We also um, are serving health plans. 
and thinking about what they have their needs around risk adjustment, around quality measurement, things like heat as for We also serve entire new markets, markets that I didn't even expect that we'd be working in uh, 10 years ago when I founded the company. That synthesis is a really big deal. You've done a ton of work around clinical quality and long supported the HL7 fire standard. I know I always see your, your diameter folks at the connectathons and the working group meetings, and um, you guys have worked alongside the, the um, Da Vinci project for payers to build implementation guides to meet the new CMS interoperability rules. Thank you. Thank you so much for those contributions, by the way. Those of us who have spent our career in this space of interoperability and standards know that it's often thankless work, but it is very important work. You started Diameter really, you know, post-metadata, but before APIs were broadly talked about and mm -hmm. definitely before they were feeling so achievable and so close to us as they are now. Can you talk about sort of the before and after fire, that transition and how your product has evolved because yeah. of that? Absolutely. You know, you know, people often ask, well, how does Diameter Health operate? And, and you know, functionally, we're an API. Um, and it made sense when we started going that we could kind of read where the future was headed for APIs. It was really before, um, I think, Fire had really been fully fleshed out and become an HL7 asset. But it was very clear that you were going to need to have ways to interact with your data. And APIs were the format for that. The web had already kind of laid down the foundation for what it was going to be. So we're API-based, um, just like Fire is API-based. We were um, so early that we did not adopt a Fire as our kind of foundational API, but of course now we're fully support supportive of a Fire as our API framework for how you can interact with our information, be able to request that information and send information into our system. So you know, fundamentally, you know, Fire, the fast healthcare interoperability resources, brings so much to the equation. It makes so many things um, that we we've always been talking about in healthcare just much more functional. You know, being able to make that data accessible and accessible to applications, um, applications that you might have built, but applications that other people might have built as well. Making that data accessible to a patient and granular. Um, you know, Fire gives you that um, that ability to be able to create granular requests for that information and bring in the information you need when you need it. So, you know, seeing the blossoming of FHIR, you know, since really it started as kind of resources for healthcare back in 2011 um, in Graham's original vision into what it's become today, it's just awesome and it's stupendous. And we're honored to participate. I think it's both our responsibility of everyone in health IT to try to make the standards better, but we also just see the incredible potential that's associated with it. Um, but I think that the other thing that we always try to make sure people know, um, which Graham and others have said about FHIR for a long time, is that FHIR is going to be a great format. It's going to be a great way to interact with data, to make data much more liquid, much more usable. It doesn't change the data. You know, If your data wasn't coded appropriately in the source system, Fire isn't magic. It doesn't clean it up and make it, you know, SNOMED codes and LOINC codes and UCOM uh, for this and RxNorm for that. You know, you have to do the work to get the data coded in the right fashion. And Fire doesn't fix that for you necessarily. Um, both Fire and CCDA set great targets. You know, we know now through the U.S. Core Data for Interoperability what terminologies we should be using in what parts of the electronic health record. And just, you know, Fire is just another way that we get there. It really brings us into our modern way of interfacing with a lot of this data. You know, we expect patients to play a greater role in their health and healthcare, but if we're not giving them the information they need, how can they do that? And that's why we run into this 
Again, this same problem that, that patients now have a disjointed view of their care because they may be getting their care from different practices, each of which has a different way to, uh, um, to let them access information through their portals. Um, so now they have the huge cognitive load that, that you know, we have as healthcare professionals, and they've got to figure out a way to assemble this. Well, is this my medication list? Is that my medication list? You know, what's the source of truth? How do I integrate all this in my head? That's a great point. We have passed the burden of synthesizing the care data onto the patient in many ways, but they aren't truly equipped any more than providers were when we first started giving it to them. We all have more than one provider, and in many cases, multiple patient portals from different electronic health records to log into. How do we get all that information into one place where the patient can make sense of it? We're going to have to provide access to, to an API for patients to utilize their data. Um, but, but, you know, the question I keep scratching my head about is, well, are we really making this problem any better? Are we solving this problem? What I think would be more better for patients is to allow them to have access to the cleansed data, the upcycled data. I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful to allow patients to have access to this upcycled data? They could see their own data in a longitudinal way. They can, they can use that through an API. I mean, I think that would be quite magical and it would be very important and empowering. And, and obviously, we have to work out issues of whether a healthcare provider organization are going to be the people who allow access to that data stream, or is that somehow going to go directly through the HIEs? Uh, but either way, you know, it is the patient's data. It is their information. It's about them. We want them to take a greater role in their health. This improves outcomes, reduce costs. Uh, it, it's just so important. So let's provide them access to good data. And I think we can do a better job as we have data that's been upcycled. I'll put in a quick plug. I'm also a co-founder and on the board of the uh, Society for Participatory Medicine, and we're all about this. Shameless, shameless plug. <laughs> no, seriously, that uh, it's really good work that you're doing there. The Society for Participatory Medicine is leading a movement in which patients and healthcare professionals actively collaborate and encourage one another as full partners in healthcare. Our listeners can learn more about how they are transforming the culture of patient care by going to participatorymedicine.org later. But first, uh, as we think about providing access to good data in the process of procuring, moving, and synthesizing data, I'd like to, to talk about the impact of the standards. John, you've done a lot of work around CCDA. Do you think CCDA is here to stay? Do you think that FIRE will be a replacement for other standards, or is it going to require a combination of these standards you've talked about uh, as we move forward? You know, I think that um, I often think about the three stages that we've gone through here. You know, the first stage was just getting digital assets, you know, getting EHRs installed for, you know, when you're still working on paper records or half your healthcare systems on paper records, it limits a lot of what you can do for it. The second stage was getting that information flowing. Mm -hmm. So we need to be able to say, all right, now we've got it digitally and we're going to be able to share that information. The first way that we did that was in clinical summaries, was in CCDAs. 
Um, I think that it's often underappreciated how much exchange of that is already happening today. You know, Danny spoke about that earlier. I can click over and see the information as a form of a clinical summary from these other practices. Um, you know, some of the statistics on this are just amazing. And I don't think have been kind of well known um, of people that are kind of outside of that standards and interoperability ecosystem. Um, the number of clinical documents that are shared every month in the United States is now in the hundreds of millions. So that's numbers from Sequoia eHealth Exchange, but also HIEs um, you know, put this together. When you look at it annually, it's in the billions. So you have to think about that. How many healthcare encounters, how many ER visits and hospitalizations and ambulatory visits do we have a year in the United States? It's only a little bit over a billion. So that means that we're exchanging multiple sends of that data for almost every patient encounter that we have. That's tremendous progress. That's the second step. When you have that type of flow, and generally today, the vast majority, 99.9% .9 of that is clinical documents in the form of a CCDA or the Consolidated Clinical Document Architecture was the clinical summary standard that uh, preceded FHIR. Um, I think that once you have that level of flow and that level of transactions, it's not going away anytime soon. Um, you know, how long is that tail? I mean, we can go argue over whether it's 10 years or if it's 20 years. At the end of the day, we're going to be dealing with clinical documents for our foreseeable future in the industry. But then the third level is to make that data usable, you know, making it actionable, making it queryable um, uh, downstream. And that's where I think FHIR is going to just play so much of a more fine tooth and, and the right solution um, uh, for this. So now you say, well, I got this big summary in a CCDA that was shared. How do I go figure out? I just want to go query if they're on this medication. Well, that's where FHIR is going to allow you to be able to query those assets much more readily and to be able to do it in a standards-based API mechanism. So FHIR is going to complement. Uh, I think it's an additive. It's a necessary thing um, because, you know, CCDA is a clinical document. It's based as, you know, the big summary. And one of the great things that FHIR addresses that CDA didn't um, and CCDA didn't, you know, these documents get passed around using a lot of older architectures. Um, so for those in the industry, things like SOAP and direct messaging, um, you know, simple object access protocol for SOAP. Um, th those, those things are very foreign to new developers today. Um, they, they require a lot of knowledge in the industry for how this um, stuff happens. Um, using Fire APIs and looking at the U.S. core profiles for Fire, it really unlocks new ways that this information is going to be exchanged because you can say, oh, I know how to do a get in a post. I might not know about all of those um, profiles that are associated with document exchange, but I can go ahead and say, I need to go find a patient and search by that. And then I need to go find if I can get the CCDA on them and run an operation to generate it. And you can do that all through Fire protocols now. So you think about these two things working together, you might actually use Fire to generate CCDA um, in, the, in the very near future. It's actually a requirement that EHRs be able to do that. They're complements. One thing that I'm working on outside of Diamond Health a little bit is um, advancing uh, how summaries are shared in FHIR because that's still relatively immature. You know, FHIR did a great job of going into individual resources saying, this is how you do a condition or a problem for a patient. This is how you do an allergy intolerance for a patient. Um, but you know, how you pull together that picture and create a clinical summary um, is something where FHIR is relying a lot on the experience of CCDAs to, to give coverage for that. Um, there's gonna be a lot of work that needs to be done about how do you create clinical summaries in FHIR, which I think will take some time for it. But the nice thing is that CCDA is a great complement to that as we move forward. Absolutely. It is so good to see your organization so invested in these standards and driving this change forward in healthcare. I've really enjoyed our time today. Thank you so much, John Damore and Dr. Danny Sands from Diameter Health. 
Well, Sandy, thank you so much for having us here today. It's exciting to talk about this and you are right in the heart of it. So you are the right person to be leading this charge. So, so excited to be here on the podcast. Diameter Health will be at the Vibe event in Miami Beach, Florida, March 6th to 9th, demonstrating their data upcycling so you can see firsthand how this technology advances healthcare delivery. We hope to see you there. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out Interop Now at Vive. Through interactive demonstration, we will take all the concepts and products from the podcast and help you see in real time how to apply them to meet your goals. Come learn how to take your business to the next level with the premier interoperability solutions in healthcare. Find more information at www.viveevent.com.